Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hi, and welcome back to the show. On today's show, we're going to be talking with Carl Langschmidt. Carl is the founder and president of condos.ca. And if you haven't already, you definitely want to check out the website condos.ca, which is a fantastic resource for any condo investor. It's got some great data on there and, and uh, research and information. You can, you can learn about what's happening in a particular building in terms of values and trends uh, or in a particular neighborhood. Uh, and we also talked about um, not just the site and how he created it and why he created it, but also about a recent maintenance fee study that he uh, and his company put together. So we looked at a lot of classic questions around maintenance fees f- based on his uh, research and findings like, um, you know, I'm worried that maintenance fees will shoot up, so I don't want to invest in a condo. Or older buildings are, are bad to buy in because they have crazy high maintenance fees. You should only buy new buildings for that reason. Um, parking and lockers, are there fees associated with them and what are they? What, uh, what do they average in the city? Um, we talked a lot about the, you know, the part of a uh, question of amenities. Uh, if you have a building with a lot of amenities, does that always mean that you're going to have higher fees? Yes or no? Uh, and we talked about the, the, uh, you know, the, the idea of, is it really more expensive to own a condo than it is to own a house? And so, uh, definitely want to listen to this episode to learn all about those things from Carl Langschmidt of condos.ca. And for all the show notes on this episode and links to, well, if you can't know already, condos.ca and other sites that we're talking about, just head on over to truecondos.com slash Carl. You can find all the show notes for this episode, including, by the way, a transcript of our conversation. And uh, for all the podcast episodes that we have on the True Condos podcast, if you go to truecondos.com and click on podcasts, you can find transcripts of every single episode so if you'd prefer to read rather than to listen to the podcast you can always do that too so without further delay here is my interview with carl langschmidt welcome to the true condos podcast with andrew lafleur the place to get the truth on the toronto condo market and condo investing in toronto Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Carl Langschmidt. Carl is the president and founder of Condos.ca. Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. Um, Carl, why don't you start, we start uh, by just telling everybody a little bit who you are and how you got started in real estate. Sure. So I've uh, been in real estate now going on, uh, this is my 10th year. And like many agents, you get into the business and it's really not what you thought it would be. You're kind of uh, left to God and, you know, find your own way and find your own business. And uh, initially I started, um, my first website was mrloft.ca and I built a website that um, was a really informative loft guide and uh, it helped me generate business online. So very much like yourself with True Condos by creating, you know, an engage, engaging content People reached out to me, and that's kind of how I started. Um, you know, my business uh, obviously grew. Um, what were you doing before real estate? Like, how did you get into real estate in the first place? Well, I, I studied finance, and uh, I thought I wanted to be a stockbroker, but realized the uh, 
the uh, office hours were just not for me. I wanted a job that um, gave me more freedom. Um, and I wanted to be my own boss. Uh, so real estate was, uh, was a good fit for that. Um, I loved working with people and, uh, and, and uh, yeah, uh, the technology side just happens to be that while I was at university, I kind of built websites and put myself, uh, made pocket money on the side building websites. I've always been pretty tech savvy. Um, and then my brother was, is actually a, a, a graduate of uh, Waterloo in computer science. So when we, we partnered up uh, when he graduated to start condos.ca. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, that's kind of... So you started at MrLoft.ca and it, it sort of, when did it merge and sort of become, uh, or when did condos.ca? Well, you know, the thing with about? the loft market is developers have really stopped building lofts. You know, there haven't been many authentic hard loft projects in the city and it was just, you know, the frustrating thing with the loft market is you're, uh, you know, there's just no inventory to sell uh, a good portion of people. I mean, we, we get more inquiries than we have lofts. Um, and obviously wanting to grow the business, we realized we'd need to look at the condo market because um, the loft market's, you know, anywhere from 2 to 3% of the condo market. So, um, yeah, basically we, you know, wanted to create a similar informative guide on the condo market. Um, and that's why we started condos.ca. Okay. Um, so you've, with condos.ca, if anybody hasn't been to it, obviously if you're listening to this podcast, definitely want to go and, and look at the site, condos.ca, and see what we're talking about and, and what Carl's built here with his team. But um, it's really unlike anything else that's that exists, and it's, it's a much more comprehensive site than, you know, anybody, any, certainly any singular agent has ever attempted to build. Um, so why don't you tell us about like how you actually put it together, in particular the actual the, the data piece with the um, with the resale data on all the every single condo building in the GTA. Um, how did you how did you do it? It's so, pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> essentially what we did is we we um, made a list of every single building uh, that we could find that traded in the marketplace. We literally just made a list uh, of of all of the buildings that we could find. We originally thought about starting at, you know, the first condominium corporation that was ever registered, and we were went and visited the land registry, and looked at all of the corporations. But there's actually a good portion of them that um, might have just be might just be used for commercial purposes that have actually no no trading. So that. We kind of backpedaled and then we went back to the MLS and just made a list of all of the buildings that we could find that actively trade. And then from there, we just literally uh, went uh, building by building, um, doing research on each building to find, uh, to create the analytics uh, on each building. So Condos has, as you know, uh, a profile page of every building. So, you know, you can look at the candy factory lofts and you can look at the chocolate lofts. And, um, you know, we, A, tried to find developers' uh, old floor plans from uh, previous, uh, you know, from when the building originally launched. Um, we looked at status certificates. Uh, we looked at uh, data, condominium plan data from uh, the land registry. And we basically uh, combined all of that information to create our building profile pages. So. Every page has some analytics. We have, you know, we know how many units are in each building and we know 
Um, you know, we've created our price per square foot trends on every building. The reason, like, why people ask, you know, it's obviously it's a ton of work. Um, the reason we did it is I find to be a good, you know, to if, uh, you know, good agents kind of know that data intuitively, but, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that were being taken advantage of by having agents that don't do that due diligence for them. So uh, we wanted to create a website where... Can you give us an example like, of what you mean by that, some people being taken advantage? Well, you know, Andrew, like, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give you uh, an example. Like, there's often uh, pre-construction projects that will, you know, that I know I walked into and the sales rep at the desk will say, you know, the average price in this neighborhood is 650 and we're selling this project today for 630 and it's and they try to they'll tell you it's a bargain or they'll um they'll say uh um you know they'll they'll twist the numbers uh, to suit them um with condos i wanted to create a guide that there's no hiding this uh, we wanted to make the uh, the real numbers a lot more transparent uh, so that consumers can make smarter decisions um so yeah we just you know i've seen uh, people over the years, uh, you know, lo- I've, I've seen people make some really good money in the condo market, but I'm sure you've seen uh, a lot of people lose money. And uh, had they known some of the real numbers before they got in, they might not have done that and, uh, you know, been able to make a better decision for themselves. So that's uh, that's part of, uh, you know, why we created condos, just to make a more trans- transparent marketplace. That's amazing. Um, certainly like it's your site is just one of those sites that I've always said it, it it's just amazing I used to say now I don't but I used to say like why doesn't this type of site exist why is there no central place that we can go uh, as consumers as people in the industry to get you know just free information in terms of just a basic level price per square foot of, yeah. of a given building uh, you go to a lot of other well, particularly in the U.S., you go to the U.S., a lot of markets there, that information is, is available. Every single property that uh, goes on the MLS has an exact square footage in a lot of markets, as opposed to here in our market, it's, you know, a range uh, from, it could be, you know, 500 to 700 square feet. Well, there's a huge difference there. If it's, is it 500 or is it 700? 700, exactly. Uh, and there's no checks and balances in the system it might not be it might not even be 500 to 700 it might be 494 and the agent's just stretching it or like you said it might actually be 70710 and the agent screwed up and there's left money on the table uh so it's yeah it's uh it's about time i guess that somebody's built what you guys have built uh, it's pretty amazing well thank you and that's exactly right i mean uh um you know, the MLS, when, you, when you're dealing with a savvy condo buyer and you need to provide that sort of insight to him, well, this unit was 350 square feet uh, and its price per square foot was whatever, you can't compare it. You need to know what the comparable sizes are. And the current ranges on the MLS just don't do that for us. Um, the reason we obviously don't have it is there's really only one organization uh, uh, in governmental that's been... Uh, tracking that data, um, MPAC, and the way they've been doing it and, and having it paid for by the taxpayers, selling that data to big organizations like uh, banks, uh, appraisal companies. So you can get it uh, from MPAC, but on a unit-by-unit basis, and you can pay about $5 to confirm a square footage. Um, 
you know, it's millions of dollars if you have to do the whole uh, database of the city. But, um, you know, if an agent's appraising a condo, they can confirm that one size through mm-hmm. MPAC or go on condos. Curious, uh, just from a tec- technical perspective, how does MPAC uh, actually calculate the square footage? Do you know how they... Like the MPAC numbers, which are yeah, they 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 consider don't the official numbers. What they where are they getting get it, that number from? They get from? it from the developer and the development plans. The uh, so it's uh, I guess being in the position they are. There's there's some somewhere along the line the developer has to submit the submit it to MPAC. So they actually have a much easier job than what we do. Um, because they've made it, I guess, a mandatory step in the development process. Right. Um, so Hand it over. Yeah. yeah. Um, so looking through your site, there's so much you can learn from looking at the stats for different buildings in different areas. Uh, but just curious from your perspective, like what, what neighborhoods or what areas or buildings are standouts to you in terms of uh, appreciation or investment potential? Are there particular areas that looking at your data that you, you say... But based on our data, this is a good investment. You know, um, I've always been a fan of lofts. My passion, and and when I do work in the business, occasionally I will help some past clients and stuff. It's still in the loft market. Um, I think the perspective I get from looking at the loft market really makes me uh, question some of the new prices in the in the pre-construction condo market. So I have not actually been much of a fan of pre-construction as a whole in general over the last few years there was a time 10 years ago where you know i i bought a few units myself and and made good money on them but especially in recent years the there's not much meat on the bones left from on these pre-construction projects Um, and especially when you compare it to some of the price per square foots in the loft market i mean if you go on condos.ca um, and look at the Broadview lofts. Look at the you know the toy factory, the candy. I think the toy factory is only now just trading over six hundred dollars a square foot. Uh, that's you know that's an average with parking and locker wrapped in it. That's um, um, you know that's one of the the things that uh, um, you'll notice on on condos. All of our data is what it, you know includes parking and locker. We haven't uh, removed that. And when you look at those numbers. Um, you know, the resale market in general looks more and more attractive compared to the pre-construction market. So uh, we've been, you know, we typically like to sell, uh, you know, we sell clients where we'll sell them wherever, but the numbers have got to make sense to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely have a, a view of uh, a long-term view on real estate. So I know there's a lot of um, agents or, or, you know, that'll just look at the deal right now, but we we, you know, in order to build a happy portfolio of clients, you've got to look long term and, and, uh, you know, if they call me up in a year's time wanting to sell that property, I don't want to have to tell them, oh, we well, we overpaid to begin with, um, you know. So uh, from that, you know, from from that side of things, uh, are there any particular buildings or or neighborhoods that are standouts to you? Well, I like, I mean, I do like Riverside, the east side, the distillery area, the price per square foot there, I think is still really uh, good. Um, yeah, I mean, th- those are probably some of the, yeah. the okay. best areas and, that I uh, think Incidentally, right here, as we're recording this interview, that's exactly where we're sitting yeah. in, the, in your offices here in the distillery district on the, in the east side of downtown. Um, why don't we jump to your uh, recent um, 
maintenance fees study uh, article that you came out with uh, last month. And it hit on a lot of, um, you know, hot topic issues around maintenance fees and questions that people have. So uh, maybe I'll just put some questions out there that or, or, or thoughts that people have with respect to maintenance fees in condos and see based on your studies, like what have you guys found out about it? So the biggest one always, of course, is I don't want to invest in a condo or I'm worried about investing into a condo because uh, maintenance fees are going to shoot up. They always do. Right. So w- what did you find out about that? Well, maintenance fees do uh, as a whole go up, but they move, you know, up uh, with the cost of living. Um, A lot of people need to be reminded that condo corporations are non-profit corporations. Their their goal is literally just to pay their bills and manage the building. Um, A well-run condo can be uh, a better solution than, than a freehold house. Uh, the Toronto Community Housing uh, have done an assessment on uh, multi- multi-residential buildings, and uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but last year they oh, I think they sold off around seven or eight hundred homes mm-hmm. with the long-term view of moving, uh, you know, um, their residents into apartment buildings. So. Because you know, of the cost of up because of the cost, because it's cheaper. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, obviously there can be years in a home where you don't have to do much uh, to a house, but there are there will come a time when that'll all change, and mm-hmm. you'll have uh, thousands of dollars. Now, there is also a service component to maintenance fees, which you have to value. I mean, you don't have to shovel your driveway and take your garbage out, um, and that respect, you know, and obviously a concierge to um, to collect your mail when you're not there um but as a whole of maintaining there's no reason that people shouldn't have that opinion of condos if uh, if a board is well run that's so i guess it comes down to you know just ensure the building's well run and that's what our maintenance fee study tried to to do so you can actually see the maintenance fee history in a building right another big one uh older condo buildings have outrageous crazy high maintenance fees compared to new condo buildings so you should never buy an older condo building what what's your uh, take on that well actually that was uh, andrew that was one of the myths uh, that was something that i too believed until we did the study mm-hmm. um and what it actually the, what the study showed is that um new condo buildings have lower fees in general for the first nine years uh, they be, they're at par after nine years, and they increased in the first two years. New condo buildings was almost double what the industry average was. So they're, they're lower in the short term, but they, their price per square foot um, it will be after nine years will be worth worth the industry averages. I think the real perception there that people miss is the correlation between size instead of age. And um, older buildings in general have larger units, and that's why there's the perception that the fees are higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a price per square foot basis, we, we actually looked at condo corporations and the year that they were built. So we actually looked at uh, corporations that were registered in, you know, we went back throughout uh, the Toronto condo history, and we actually looked, well, what was the average in that year, fee per square foot that year? And we actually couldn't draw, there, there isn't a correlation between age and other than after, after the first nine years, um, there wasn't a correlation between uh, size and, and, uh, and higher fees. The, the average in, I think if you look at our infographic, the, if you 
look back between 1995 and, uh, and 2000, the average is also 15, uh, 59 cents a square foot then, and it was 10 years before that as well. That's so very we, interesting. So, so, so the average number that people should sort of keep in mind, uh, over time fees tend to average and settle in around, you're saying, 59 cents from the data. Yeah, that's what the average is at this point in time. I think the inflationary number, if I'm not, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's around 3% a year or just over that. So the industry has moved up on average that a year. Um, so, yeah. Um, what is the, sort of related to that point? Um, like you said, pre, you know, you got to be careful when you're buying pre-construction condos because there can be a lot of smoke and mirrors uh, from the marketing side of things. And that's true with maintenance fees as well. Um, I've, you know, we've seen it so many times where a developer will, uh, sort of artificially, you could say, set the maintenance fees low to begin with. And, you know, you and I, in the industry, we see those numbers and we know those fees are going to go up because they're just not realistic. But obviously again, the consumer may not understand that and they may be attracted to that low maintenance fee and buy in a particular building because of it. Yeah. Only to get that, you know, sticker shock after the first year or two when they shoot back up to reality. So in your uh, opinion and with your data, like what is, you know, what's sort of a realistic number that you want to sort of look for in a, if you're buying a new condo today? Well, I mean, uh, 59 cents per square foot uh, is the average right now. So I think they should be prepare for that uh, number and it should, it'll probably hit that number if there's a fair amount of amenities. Um, uh, so yeah, I would just base your budget on 59 cents instead of, uh, the developer's low 40 cents, uh, that he may advertise. Um, yeah, that's, that's what okay. I would look at. And what, I mean, one of the really most interesting things uh, about the whole study was some of the data and the, the feedback we got from the public after the study, um, you know, there's, uh, and we're hoping the new condo act will address some of it, but there's been some sad stories that have come out from this maintenance fee study. Um, you know, uh, one of them being that, um, there are buildings that divulge to us that, uh, um, their fees have gone out of whack because the developer actually deferred costs, some of, uh, some of the upfront capital costs of mechanical systems and elevators, the developer buried those in service contracts that extended uh, beyond, you know, many years. The building I'm thinking of right now said they were in a 25-year service contract, um, which was, uh, you know, kind of tragic. Their, their fees have gone up because of these uh, service contracts. So um, there's, uh, there is some, some stuff that, uh, you know, uh, owners need to... Um, really do their due diligence on the building and the board condo boards are the the biggest um you know incompetent condo boards are really the biggest problem with right. uh, high fees they just right. uh it is uh, running a corporation mm-hmm. and uh we met the owners of the toy factory lofts and they went through their entire budget they renegotiated almost 60 contracts and um you know, they took control of their their fees, but there's not a lot of co- corporations that are being run that well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's something that uh, you know, condo owners can really, if if they want to uh, bring their fees, get involved in your board, 
uh, and uh, you know put the pressure on your condo board to yeah. to do their yeah it's sort of one of those classic sort of uh, I don't know catch twenty two type situations like everybody wants a better condo board but nobody wants to be on the board exactly uh, everybody wants everybody has their opinion on how it should be run but nobody's nobody wants to step up and run it themselves or be involved in the in the highest level of decision making. Well, pay. I, I think it's time that we should start valuing valuing a, a good, a well, a good condo president, and uh, the boards should be prepared to pay him something uh, to get the best person to do uh, to run the building well. Because it is, it's it's all volunteer, of course. The exactly. the only person, I guess, uh, who may who gets paid is the property manager, of course, who's who's a, who's you know uh, the one sort of professional you sort of count on to. Yeah. to be there and to help make all these big decisions. But everybody else is just people who own in the building and who volunteer their time. And, you know, property management in general is, it's a, they're in a bit of a position of conflict because they're, they're left to manage the cookie jar, but there really isn't uh, in many buildings the incentive to ensure that the spending is as low as possible. That's um, something that condos really need to ensure uh, happens. Um because uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, with kickbacks and management fees, uh, uh, you know, property management companies do have to get paid somehow, and uh, you need to, you know, I think condo, you know, condo corporations should look at that, uh, you know, to ensure that there's no um, reverse incentives uh, mm-hmm. with the, the management company. Yeah. Um, what about the the sort of idea that? You know, a lot of people say, I don't want to buy in a building with a lot of amenities because I want to save maintenance money on the, I want to have lower maintenance fees, so I'm going to go in a building with less amenities. Is that always the case? Is that? In general, it is the case, but there are buildings that have a lot of amenities um, that have very low fees, the toy factory being one of them. Uh, it has, you know, an outdoor hot tub. It has a full-time concierge, uh, a gym, party room and all of that stuff and their fees are low uh, there are buildings in the city that have almost no amenities and have very high fees like the the gotham lofts um, the fees are really high there and uh, there's no amenities uh, so it is building by building but in general fees do contribute i think we looked at uh, we looked at the average of uh, we looked for a, a sample of buildings that had a pool a um a full-time concierge, a gym, I think there was one other. Um, and then we looked at build, for a sample of buildings that didn't have those items, and the, the, the difference was uh, almost 19 cents a square foot. So uh, you can look at our infographic on condos.ca uh, to get the exact numbers, but uh, there is a difference. So fees obviously do contribute, it, and it makes sense. I mean, uh, concierges uh, is a big thing, um, a pool. Um, and a gym yeah so yeah absolutely um parking and locker fees what did you find out about about those first of all uh you know a lot of people are always surprised that there are maintenance fees on parking spots and lockers but what else did you find out well um that's exactly right like uh uh you know the way a condo determines the fees on uh, parking and lockers they divide the whole buildings uh, they look at the building's entire square footage footprint and every bit of it is either divided or assigned to a particular unit or, or the common you know 
portion that's not to unit is your common elements. So um, buildings uh, will attribute a fee to a parking spot based on its square footage relative to the rest of the building. So you may have a parking spot that's um, you know 0.001% of a building, um, but that one that 0.01% shares the uh, portion of the building's budget. Um, so uh, you know people should be aware that uh, that their parking spot uh, on a monthly basis has a fee attributed to it. And um, you know on average, I think it was forty five dollars is the average amount uh, of uh, maintenance fees a parking spot adds to a unit. There were some buildings in the city that had higher fees and some that had had lower for parking. Um, mm-hmm. some some buildings that had parking on the exterior of the building not underground had much lower fees but but in general an underground spot is around 45 dollars. and what was the average for lockers so average the average locker, locker was 12 dollars. 12 dollars a month yeah and what was uh what were the high points for those the parking and the, lockers? the highest point for the parking i know was around 148 dollars, and that's uh, that actually we when we when we got the number we were shocked by it so we actually confirmed it uh, it's the Pantages condos at uh, on Victoria Street mm-hmm. um, by the Eaton Center yeah yeah so those those condos have a hundred and forty eight dollars a month on their wow. uh, maintenance fee any yeah. idea I I don't know offhand any idea what spots rent for in that building you know um, I don't but I I you know it, a parking a, a, the numbers just wouldn't make sense to yeah. buy a parking spot there for an investment because yeah. uh, you could rent across the street or down the street. In the core, there's a lot of parking options for rent. Um, so I certainly wouldn't buy a spot yeah. in that building uh, yeah. with that kind of fee on it every month. Yeah, yeah. You've, I mean, with the with the rising cost of parking spots, I mean, you really got to, it's one thing I always tell my investors, you really got to look carefully and invest wisely when it comes to parking spots. Because you look at the maintenance fees, you look at the taxes, and you know, and look at your mortgage payments on them based on you know escalating prices of these things. Most of the time, you're not you're not breaking even if you're if you're thinking about a rental price that you could get for it. Um, most of the time, it makes more sense to not own it, but just to rent it. Absolutely, yeah, and that especially at the Pantages. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what's, what's next for you? What, uh, I know you, you're, you've always got big plans. What's, what else is, you got anything coming down the pipe or any big, uh, plans, things that you're working on or expansion to the site? Yeah, well, we've got a few really cool features that we're working on. We're uh, planning to launch uh, floor plans of every unit. That's uh, it's still a wow. big project, but we've got floor plans in the pipeline for all of the condos. Wow. Um, uh, every single every condo single, well, unit the, in the GTA, in the city, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the city. Now it is a big project. We're wow. we're going to be starting with the the biggest buildings that have right. the highest or the the, the highest turnover, the highest turnover. So yeah. at least uh, it'll become a more functional feature of the site pretty quickly. Um, you know that uh, based on way, the way we're going, it'll probably take us a year to two years to get that feature built out completely. Um, then we're also working on an app, but uh, the app is actually uh, something that uh, we're uh, launching more for real estate agents to help uh, hmm. help consumers find smart agents. So that's, uh, Interesting. that's an app that uh, we're working on. Um, and uh, yeah, 
So we've got, uh, we've got, there's, there's probably about 15 big features on the site that are going to come out this year. Um, we're build, uh, adding developer profiles. That's going to happen pretty soon. So uh, you'll be able to go on and see, you know, search Tridel and see all of the buildings that Tridel have built. If you like Tridel yeah. buildings. Wow. Um, you'll also be able to see some analytics of what Tridel buildings trade for in the resale Interesting. market. Interesting. So you'll be able to compare. Yeah. For example, uh, Tridel buildings, how they appreciate over the years versus. You could see versus the neighborhood yeah. versus. Uh, another developer um you know uh the reason uh, you know there's uh, you'll so yeah you could look up any builder and see what their real numbers are and how their builders uh, how they've actually performed in the resale market um i would like to get uh, do a deal with um Terranet to get the original pre-construction prices of condos so we could start looking at buildings uh, and see how uh, how much investors made you know, uh, look at the original pre-construction. Yep. Um, we've done uh, a bit of research into that, uh, but, uh, you know, it's something that as soon as, you know, the, we've got the resources to do it, that's some, that's a feature I'd like to add. Wow. Yep. Um, uh, but really just make it a, a site, uh, that's a informative, uh, tool for, you know, condo buyers. That's, Great. Uh, that's Sounds very vision. exciting. Looking forward to those uh, features and rollouts. Um, if people want to get a hold of you uh, personally or your company, what's obviously condos.ca. We've said it about a million times, but other than condos.ca, anywhere else you want to direct people to? Or you know, Yeah, I mean, if they're looking to buy or sell a condo, they can reach out to, uh, to us through the site or my email directly is uh, carl at condos.ca. Great. Yeah. Okay, Thanks. Carl, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Um, all the best this year. Cheers, Andrew. Thanks very much. Thank you. Okay, there you have it. That was my interview with Carl Langschmidt of condos.ca. I hope you enjoyed that. For all the show notes on this episode, just head on over to truecondos.com forward slash Carl, and you'll find everything there. So I just wanted to touch on one more thing that we talked about in the podcast, and that's something that um, Carl and I agree on. And that is most pre-construction condos are not a good investment. Hmm. Might be saying, wait a minute, Andrew, isn't this podcast all about investing in pre-construction condos? And uh, yes, that's exactly what it is. And that's exactly what I help my clients do every day. But what I always tell everyone is that, listen, 90% of the condos that are out there are actually not a great investment option. And uh, my job is as a realtor and as your realtor, if, if you're working with me, is to find you the ones that are a great investment, the diamonds in the rough, so to speak, the uh, the ones where there is a, a great prospect for making excellent profits in the long term and great cash flow in the long term. And so it's not just a matter of going out and picking any old condo out there. There's There's a lot more to it. There's a lot more research and insight into the market involved and that's what I do every single day um, as a realtor and as a realtor who specializes in working with investors in the pre-construction condo market is to find the uh, projects and find the opportunities for my clients that are great investments and that are going to make you excellent returns in the long run. Okay, thank you very much again for listening to the podcast. If you want to leave a review for the podcast on iTunes, that would be great. Feel free to share this episode with anyone that you know who might uh, benefit from listening to this conversation that I had with Carl. 
Again, for all the show notes on the episode, head on over to truecondos.com forward slash Carl. And thank you very much for listening. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com. Condos.com.